0: Pioneering Today podcast listeners, this is episode number 80. So today I wanted to talk about one of my favorite things and judging by the number of downloads and reader comments, it's one of your favorite things too. And I wanted to come back to that. And that is talking about the way the old timers did it during the Great Depression, how they lived, how they made it through. And just the values that our great grandparents and those that were born and came through that time had and really valued. And I'm fascinated with that time period. I think it's amazing what our forefathers and foremothers were able to do. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot that is really cool that we have available to us now. I mean, like, for instance, I can record this podcast and you can listen to it and be on the go. So I'm not discounting our modern lives because there's really a lot of cool things about it. But there's a lot that we're in danger of losing if we don't preserve it from times past. And that is one of my passions and one of my goals here at the Pioneering Today podcast and my website and books is to be able to keep those traditions and those how-tos and the knowledge of the way they did things back then for those of us today. So it's a way of preserving those traditions and those skills so that they're not lost and that we can pass them on to our kids and future generations. I think it's really important. Today's episode is a really interesting story of how it came to be. So I'm excited to share this story with you and I'm also excited you're going to want to stay through until the end because I have kind of a big surprise and I can't wait to share it with you because you guys are going to be part of it. So I'm really excited for that. So that's my little teaser right there. But I had shared on my Facebook page, it's been a couple of weeks back, but it was a really cool video, and in the video it was titled Mountain People, and it was filmed, I think, in the, it looked to be about from the 1970s, so it was filmed quite a while ago. The film footage looked that way, and it was a documentation of the elderly people in the Appalachians, so I'm assuming in the Tennessee, North Carolina Area, that area of the United States. And so it was interviews of about about four or five different people it was a fairly short video it was about seven minutes but it was fascinating it they were talking and it was really fun I had typed out because of their accent some of the different words and it was just kind of documenting their way of life and like keep in mind this was filmed in the 1970s and they were saying how you know how fast paced the world is and how different it is but how much that they cherished and it was showing what they did then so you know we have came forward so many years I mean we're so much more fast-paced than they were so it was a really interesting clip of a glimpse of looking back and it was there was so much interaction on the Facebook page with people talking about it and and how neat it was and how cool it wasn't to see and I thought that it was really interesting some of the things that they said and it really resonated with me and and with the rest of the my facebook people so one of the the tips that they had and that they said is they raised practically everything that they ate they raised themselves and one of the ladies that they interviewed in this video in this youtube clip she was in her 70s and she was still doing all of the farm chores all of the raising and the canning and the cooking like she was still doing it in her 70s you guys by herself she was running her farm running her homestead which is amazing and so she was talking and sharing her insights like so cool but one of the things that I noticed that a lot of them kept repeating or it was the same sentiment but just said in different words is how much that they enjoyed it when it was relationship I mean that the work was hard because it is when you're raising all of your own food, I think a lot of times we tend to romanticize the homesteading way of life or the pioneering way of life or even what they went through during the Great Depression. Sometimes, you know, you look at, you know, oh, they learned how to be so frugal and they did. It was out of necessity. It was out of had to. But what I find interesting and so I don't I don't want to romanticize um that it's like super easy and that it's all these, you know, fields of butterflies and, you know, that kind of thing. But because it is, it is hard work. But on the other hand, like I said, my dad was raised during the great depression and he was raised in a home. They didn't have running water and they didn't have indoor plumbing. They didn't have electricity until he was a teenager. And they actually moved out of what we call the homestead and they moved across the, the Creek. This sounds so funny. Actually across a Creek to get to the old home place, which is still there but you you drove across the creek and then they moved into a neighborhood over on the road which is where I still live on the same road that my dad came to as a teenager and I was born and raised and I have never lived off of the road that I live on. So anyway, so I've really deep roots here, but the people that have went through that, my dad's 78 and what I noticed a lot that they say about those that went through the Great Depression or that have went through really hard times or have been truly self-sufficient, as in they didn't have money um, either by circumstances or they didn't buy their food from the store by choice because they raised it all themselves, is they don't talk about it as a bad thing. And the work is hard. I mean, there's no, there's no denying that. There's no sugarcoating that. But they talk about it they wouldn't trade that time. They wouldn't trade them circumstances and they wouldn't trade that work and the value that they get and the satisfaction that they get of putting the work in and growing it themselves. They wouldn't trade that. And I find that very, very interesting. And I think it's pretty amazing. So the other thing that I've noticed too And this was something that they kept talking about in the video that I keep mentioning. And the stuff that I'm talking about, guys, so the different videos and all of that will be linked in the show notes. So you can jump on over to melissaknorris.com, click on the podcast button, and it's podcast episode number 80. So there will be all of the links to these different videos and then the Facebook conversation that was going back and forth, which is really cool. I will link to all of that for you. So you're going to want to make sure and grab those links and watch them because it's pretty cool. So the other thing that they were really talking about a lot was the relationship. Relationships. How, you know, they had the elderly generation in this video. And like I said, at that point, they were mainly in their probably 70s and 60s, most of the folks that they were interviewing at this time. And then they also were interviewing their grandkids. So they had, you know, kids that were like in probably about six or seven and then in their teenage years and they were talking to them and getting their perspective on their grandparents and their grandparents were talking and what I really loved to hear and it was talking about is relationships, the relationships between people and when you grow your own food as a family or you do these self-sufficient type things, whether it's just raising a garden or going to a farmer's market and purchasing fresh produce and coming home and canning it and preserving it yourself you know, raising your own livestock, however you're working that into your family where you're at, the homesteading type way of life and self-sufficiency, when you do it together as a family, it creates a bond. And I noticed that this weekend we went out as a family. We don't have sugar maples here where we live in the Pacific Northwest, but we have regular maple trees. And so at the time of this recording of this podcast, it is in February. So we are doing the very first year that we've ever tapped trees so we've tapped our maple trees to try and get some syrup. So I'm really excited. I love to learn and do new things, new self-sufficiency things. And we went out as a family to tap the trees. So we were all out in the woods and my kids were climbing up in the different maple trees and, you know, and handing us things as we were, you know, drilling and tapping and had the hoses and the jugs and all of that stuff. And we were out there for probably about a half an hour, all said total. We just put six taps in to some of the trees. But We did it as a family, and it was a great excursion, and we were talking about, you know, why this tree, why you tap this kind of tree, and why we're doing it this time of year, and, you know, what the sap is, and how you get it out, and how you turn it into syrup, so it was like this, a whole, like, little mini homeschooling lesson, even though I don't actually homeschool, my kids are in public school right now, but it brought us together As a family. And yes, we were out there working, you know, we were doing it and stuff, but there is something about doing this stuff together as a family. And you do not get that when you purchase it off the grocery store shelf. So I know if you're listening to this, that you're like me and you want to bring more of that into your family and about the relationships. And that's really, you know, what it boils down to It is what they were talking about is the relationships and passing these skills on to the younger generation. And it just resonated with me. And I'm like, oh my goodness, yes, this is it. So I wanted to share with you a couple more things. So in this first video that I'm talking about, the Mountain People video, it there was a clip and there was an older gal and she was going through, it was so cool, you guys. So she's going through her root cellar and its shelves just lined with home canned goods, which... Y'all know I love mason jars and canning like, oh, my goodness, that's my thing. And so she was pointing out all of the different things that she had canned and that was up on her shelves. And she was, you know, naming them like this. This is the preserves, which is usually your fruit, you know, jams and jellies and spread so-called preserves. She showed her canned beets her you know, home canned green beans and she's home canned sauerkraut. So she's mentioning all these things by name. And keep in mind, she has a southern accent, but they had typed in and so you could read the captions on most of the things that they were saying. So she points to a couple of jars. And this is where great debate, like, exploded on the post. So much fun. So she points to one jar and she says, this is my crep, C-R-E-P. Then she points to another jar and she says, this is my kraut, which is sauerkraut and looked like sauerkraut. And then she points to another jar and she says, this is my tomato crep. Again, that's crep. So there's huge debate saying no, she's really saying kraut for all of it, and we just are misinterpreting her accent, and somebody typed it wrong, and then we're all doing this Google searching. So I want, I want if you want it for some fun, search what is tomato crep. So this video has had a lot of views, and a lot of people want to know what is crep. So when we, I did a Google search and a couple other gals on there were doing Google searches and we could find forums where people had asked, does anybody know what tomato crepe is or what is crepe from this video? But there was no answers. So I'm like, you know, in today's day and age, you know, hmm, can't find it on Google. Isn't that kind of funny? So it was really like bugging me because I am very inquisitive and I like to know things. I'm like, what is that? And I just... There, so there's this danger, you know, of things being lost. You know, this was from the 1970s and here we are now and nobody knows what this is. You know, I looked through my different canning books that I have and I wasn't coming up with anything. I even looked and said, you know, um, how to say soup in different languages and that kind of thing, trying to see if I could find out if it was like a slang for a different language for something. And I couldn't come, I couldn't find anything. So here's where the really cool part gets in. So where I work in the town that I work in, we have... Some people from we, we call it Tar Heel. My dad's from North Carolina and a lot of people who were here came out to work in the woods when the Great Smoky Mountains became a national park. And then dro- the logging jobs that were you know available then when it became the National Park Service, they weren't logging as much. So you had all these um, people in the Appalachians that were out of work. So. That is why in our corner of Washington State and up in the Pacific Northwest, you have a lot of transplant Southerners because these woods were opened up and they were experienced loggers, they were hard workers, and they migrated out here for the jobs in the woods. So there is a lot of people from North Carolina, Tennessee, mainly North Carolina and Tennessee, but other parts of the South here in the Pacific Northwest where I live. And that's why and my grandparents came out in the 1940s, the early 1940s. So I had a gal come in and I knew that she was from originally from back south. And so I asked her, I said, I, we have been Googling, like, do you have any idea what this is? And so I explained to her the video and what it was. And she knew instantly, she goes, oh yeah, tomato crepe. Yeah, I know what that is. And I'm like, you do like, oh my goodness. And so I was so excited. So tomato crepe, she's like, that's your soup base. That's just your canned soup base. And so she listed out all the ingredients for me that are in it, and it's tomatoes, celery, onion, garlic, and corn, and it's your soup base. And I was just, I'm like, that's it. Is you, you know, we have to have this re- the relationship with the older generation. There's so much vast knowledge there that is going to be lost if we're not documenting it and if we're not spending time with them and just. You know, there, there's we're in such a busy, hurry-up world that sometimes we don't take the time. And I'm talking about myself here, too. We don't take the time to engage with people and visit like we used to or to just do things hands-on with them like we used to. And so I was so excited to find out. I'm like, it is a thing. She wasn't saying crowd. It is crap. And so I went through my canning books. And based on what she told me, I have altered a recipe that is still safe for canning for tomato crepes. I'm super excited. So if you want to get that recipe and then you can look at the video too, it's really fun and all the comments back and forth, then go to com podcast episode number 80 and you can um, grab that. I have it as download. So you can click the button and you can get that recipe. I'm super excited. Um, so that you have that, that canning recipe and this little bit of Americana history that, you know, is kind of lost. People didn't know what it was. And I'm sure there's a lot of people in the South, like she did, who knew what crep was. But I have to say from everybody who's been Googling and was on the, the Facebook thing, a lot of people didn't know what it was. So I'm, I'm just so excited to get to be a part of making sure that that knowledge isn't lost, which brings me to my next point. And when I was talking about the excitement and where you guys get to come in on this, I was really excited. So I was doing another it's so funny how this happens, but I was actually watching another video on YouTube and I promise I don't just sit and watch videos on YouTube all day long, (laughs) but I was watching it and it's the coolest channel. Like you guys are going to love it. And so I'm so excited to share it with you. And it's called great depression cooking. And when the videos were filmed, her name is Clara and she's was 94 years old. You guys And she is her, I believe it was her grandson. I don't think it was her great-grandson. I think it was her grandson. Could have been her great-grandson. I'm not sure, but he's the one that's filming her. And she is sharing her memories and her recipes. I mean, and she is 94, y'all, and she is with it, and she is cooking. Like, she is showing us her Great Depression recipes and how her mama used to cook. And it's awesome. You are going to love it. Like, I just, I fell in love with her and the way she talked and the way she shared. And it was so exciting. It was, like, all right up our alley. And... Then I I realized that most of the videos were from a couple years ago. And so I got to go in through the channel and she has since passed away, but all of her videos are still up. Her um, grandson has left them all up as, you know, a memorial and a tribute and it's great information. And like I said, I'd never met her before, but I was sad and I'm like, oh my goodness, like I would have loved to just sat and visit with her. Like that information and the knowledge that she has is so amazing, which then it dawned on me, y'all like, oh my goodness. So my dad, my dad is 78 years old. He was born in the 1930s. He was raised through the tail end of the Great Depression. And he, like I said, they lived that lifestyle. They had no electricity. They had no running water. They didn't have an indoor bathroom, no refrigerator. I mean, all of that. He grew up like that. He only went to school through the 10th grade. He was a self-made man. He had his own logging um, business. And we have always raised cattle and raised a lot of our own food. He's got all of that knowledge and I am lucky enough that I get to talk to him. Like I have a question and still to this day, like I'll come up and be like, you know, something will be going on with the cows and be like, Hey dad is, you know, what happens when you do this? Or what do I need to watch for, for this? Or, you know, just all of that, that kind of stuff. Or, Hey, how did grandma do this? Or how did you used to do this back then? So like he is my source and I feel so lucky for that. And I'm like, why am I not sharing him with everybody? Like why am I not filming this stuff and putting it up on YouTube so that everybody can watch and learn from him and learn this, like not just secondhand from me, but like firsthand through him and like get to hear it in his voice and his stories. And I am so excited. I don't know if you can tell that by this. So I asked him because he's very he's fairly private I mean he likes to talk but he does not know the internet he does not have email he I don't even know if he's ever been on a computer like no joke like he does not do that kind of stuff so I asked him if he would be a guest on the podcast and let me record him and he didn't say no which means yes If he doesn't tell me no, it means yes. So I am so excited. So I want you, my awesome listeners and my readers to email me in. Now, you can hit me up on my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Melissa K. Norris. Instagram slash Melissa K. Norris. Twitter slash Melissa K. Norris. Like, you know, every site is just Melissa K. Norris. Or shoot me an email with your questions so that I can ask him your questions and we can have a Q&A on the podcast with him. So I am super, super, super excited for this. So send me in your questions and we're, he's going to be live on the podcast and I'm hoping he'll let me film it too so that it can be a YouTube video because I would love for you to be able to see him and you know, all of that kind of stuff. I am way excited and I'm hoping that we'll, you know, we'll have enough questions come in and that, We'll have enough material to do several podcasts in series with him. So, if you have questions on how that was done, um, he operated the ferry here where I live. We did not have a bridge that came over our river until um, about the 1950s. So, the only way to get back and forth was the ferry. So, he was a ferry operator. Um, and I'm talking just like you just used a cable that was strung across the river and the log trucks went on it. The school buses went on it, like everything. So he was a ferry operator before the bridge went in and the road actually connected both sides of the river. Um, You know, and like, like I said, he lived without electricity and all that kind of stuff. So, and they raised their own food, um, no refrigeration. They had a pump inside the house, but not running water. So I would love for you to shoot me in all your questions that you have for him and we're going to do a live session and I am so excited. So please make sure you sent me in that. And then for the links, for the videos that I've been talking about, because you guys are going to love them. You're going to want to go and watch them and you're going to want to get the recipe for the tomato crepe. Like, yeah. So grab that again, mosquenoris.com, episode number 80 under the podcast button and shoot me your questions. I cannot wait. This is going to be so much fun. And I have to thank you. Like, I'm not kidding. I've got the best readers and listeners and y'all are awesome. So I had a couple emails come in and we've been doing a lot of the recent podcast episodes have been live Periscope shows that we have just taken the audio out of and put up for the podcast. Part of the reason for that is because it is fun to do a live show and then I can take that and part of it's a time thing so it's kind of like doing two things at once so I can get the the podcast episode um, as well as doing the live video and interacting with people. So if you're not um, on Periscope, if you're not following me, We usually do a show Monday through Friday, like five days a week um, at Melissa K. Norris. You know, that's kind of my thing everywhere. So you can follow us there. But I had some readers email me and I'm so thankful. Like I am one of like I love it when you guys send me suggestions and you're like, okay, I love that you're doing this. Don't like that you're doing that. Like I love the feedback, like really, truly helps me. So thank you. And a lot of and I've had a few readers and I figure for every person that emails me and there's probably like at least 20 people that are thinking that. And just, you know, don't email me in. So you said that you kind of miss this style of podcast where it's not the live, but it's one flow of a show and our verse of the week. Because when I'm doing the live Periscope videos, we don't always have that. And I love that. I love that you let me know and that you miss that because it's so true and it wasn't intentional That I was cutting that part out because faith is a a huge part of my life. But I love that you love that and that you let me know that you're missing that. So we are bringing that back. So this, I thought that this verse was so fitting when talking about the way, you know, the world is changing and preserving the things that were and, and focusing on not just being busy and everything, but focusing on relationships and working with one another. And so I want to share this is the verse from Romans 12 2. and this translation is actually the amplified version. So I have an NIV, which is New International Version Bible, and then I got the amplified version. I like to have different translations um, to kind of compare the different wordings and and all of that kind of stuff. So this is from the amplified version and Romans 12 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, this age fashioned after and adapted to its external, superficial customs. But be transformed, be changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideas and its new attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect, in his sight for you. You. And I think that that's why so many of us really like to look back at the way things used to be. Now, I don't know about you guys, but for me, when I look at the way that the world is going, first of all, God is still in control, He is still on the throne. So I try not to get too caught up in all of the bad stuff that we tend to see on the news and tends to get talked about as much. I try not to focus on that and to just focus on the good because what we choose to focus on, it tends to be what we see. So if we are continually praising and thanking God, we tend to see the good in people and the good in situations and the good in life. But when we complain and we focus on the negative, then that becomes where our focus is and then that's what we see. So I do, I try to just look for the good you know, look for his hands and everything is the way that I try to do things. But if we look at the way that the the world, and I say this is kind of like, you know, modern society. I know that it's not, you can't ever, you know, brush and say everybody. So that's not what I'm saying. But when we look at modern society, we are going down a path that's pretty opposite from what the Bible teaches. And that's what I follow is the Bible, the Holy Bible. So, that that's where my faith comes from and that's where I take everything that back to scripture because that's what we have to do for ourselves you know we can listen to pastors and preachers and all of that and I think that that's great but whatever they're preaching or, or talking on if we don't have scriptural background ourselves then then that's where things can get dangerous so we need to to be in scripture for ourselves and to know what the scripture says to be able to um, trust and, and know that that's true so I Think that you know, and so I think about you know when it talks about the external, superficial customs, and that tends to be a lot of what we see, you know. And there's something about when you step back, and we slow down. And I tell you what, when you're you know raising food, and you're growing a garden, you're doing all of that, you have to tend it, and that makes you slow down. And you're out in the things that God created. You're out in nature, which He created. And you see his hand because we can't do what he did. And so you watch, you know, the seed that you plant in the ground and you watch it grow and you have to weed it and you have to tend it. And then you watch it fruit and you watch its harvest. And then suddenly all those parables in the Bible, they take on a whole new meaning and a whole new depth. Because you see, when you've got your grapevines, we have grapevines when you have your fruit trees you they it just brings it to a whole new level because you know what happens when you have to prune like you know the benefit that it does to the plant and then when you see that and you see that true you know that metaphor in a physical sense and then you start to see it in your own life and you get these revelations it's just really amazing and so there's something about the homesteading way of life that I see a lot of correlation and I see God's hand in a lot more when I'm doing that than necessarily when I'm, and not that God can't be anywhere and can't use any situation to talk to us because he's always with us. That's not what I'm saying, but you know, like when I'm in town or I'm in my car or I'm at my day job, I work as a pharmacy tech. So, you know, I'm using a computer and I'm counting prescriptions and I'm billing insurance companies and you know, there's multiple four lines ringing at once. Not that I don't see God there because I do, And, you know, I see him in people and interactions with people and, you know, you feel his presence, but it's very different. I feel him stronger when I'm out in nature and, you know, dealing with the the livestock and our animals and stuff. And, you know, then the verses of the shepherd and, and how we care for them and how he cares for us. So. I just want to give you that verse and just remind you to just keep your focus on God and to not let everything that's going on in the headlines and the news and the world and all that, don't let that have a hold on you. Just remember that he is still on the throne and that he still has a plan for you and just to trust him and have faith in him no matter what situation that you're facing in right now. He's got you. So thank you so much for listening and be sure and tune in next week and I will have my dad on the podcast. I'm super excited for that. Thank you guys and have a great day. Today's podcast is brought to you by the made from scratch life, simple ways to create a natural home, which is my brand new book. Just a few words from the reviews on the book is great inspiration to make changes to a more homemade life. This is a great book filled with things you can do to get started on a more self-sustainable journey without being overwhelming. You can get your copy plus bonuses. We love bonuses, right? Go and check out the awesome bonuses at madefromscratchlife.com, available wherever books are sold.